bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad if I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your ass. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Post Thanksgiving. I'm taking a break from watching my post-Thanksgiving college football Friday afternoon to evening. The games suck, but the season has been full of intrigue and craziness. And as we wrap up this final week of regular season games and head toward the bowl season, one thing is clear, the offseason will probably be crazy again in 2024 and i'm here to discuss something big here next on the jb's low-tech podcast in a world that's racing a mile a minute a split second distraction can change everything i'm mike bryant from bradshaw bryant every day we see too many people heads buried in their phones unaware of the dangers they're in Texting and driving isn't just reckless it's playing russian roulette with your life and the lives of others in just four seconds of distraction, you've driven the length of a football field. Is there any text message that's worth your life, that's worth the lives of others? I've been fighting for the rights of the injured for over 30 years, but I'd rather you never meet me in a courtroom. So hear me now, stop texting and driving. Pay attention, value your lives and the lives around you. And if you won't, know this, at Bradshaw and Bryant, we're relentless. We won't back down. We bring justice to those that need it. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. With Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured, Bradshaw and Bryant. Well, it seems like we may have some unity in college athletics after all. I've been reading and hearing something coming down the pipe here lately, and it was kind of shocking when I first heard it brought up. I thought I'd never see the day, but uh, eventually it was going to get here anyway because the colleges keep losing in the courts on uh, revenue and what's that what are they finally talking about? Revenue sharing. Yes, revenue sharing with the athletes. The power f- five, now four, will probably be under a different power structure here soon. Maybe leaving the, the NCAA altogether. But understand something, people. There'll still be some type of power entity that will run rules and regulations for those 
teens in schools because you got to have something or you're going to just have mass chaos. So all you people who want to throw both fingers up at the NCAA again, which is nothing but made up of the member institutions of the um, organization will probably still have some, as you would look at it, well, not you particularly, but you in the general sense, would look and say, well, the blah, blah, blah is all the reason for all the problems. Now you say the NC2A, but it will be something different. They're looking at different uh, models of how to pay, take revenue that they're making from broadcast, TV, radio, and to pay the athletes with. And there's been, you know, this is going to be the, the hardest thing for them to figure out one that really works. Now, this is not going to be for every school. And that's what all of this realignment last year, part of it was about. There will only be 50 to 75, maybe 80 different schools who are all been, you know, trying to get their way into a power conference because they want to be at the party when this happens. They want to be able to keep their sports, hopefully, in their mind and still make money and still have enough money for, the, for a lot of them to continue to operate their other sports. Present and past leaders have come out lately and said that they have effed up with everything else they've done in the past, which is a big, big thing for them to admit. And what they're saying is they have uh, spent way too much money and time fighting things in court against the athletes and spent way too much money on lobbyists, lawyers, consultants, court costs, and all of that stuff. And the athletes keep pointing that out to them. It's like, hey, if you just take that money, stop fighting us, you'll probably be better off. Well, some entities need to come to reality kicking and screaming. And this is one case where that is very, very true. Who will be in charge? That's a question I can't answer. Maybe you have some ideals. But I would say, for uh, there's like I said earlier, there's going to be somebody or some entity in charge of making sure that whatever rules and regulations are intact once that once this happens, because this is all all the rules and regulations basically for college sports is because somebody either did something wrong or is going to do something. And so they, the NC2A has always been a reactionary and not a forward-thinking, and maybe the colleges are now going to try to be forward-thinking. Other question, how will this affect the other sports? This is, a, this is also going to be a big deal because if you start taking all that revenue and moving it to pay football and maybe some basketball players, how will the other sports survive? And I'm not talking about 
paying the other sports. I'm just talking about simply survive, not being cut, not go away. I know there's one person who believes that those athletes should just, what is called the pay to play. <laughs> and it's kind of a reverse, not the schools that pay them to play, that they pay the schools to pay, play. That there, that there, there's no scholarships. There's no nothing for the minor sports. They just they pay their full tuition and whatnot, just like a regular student. And then the university would give them money to uh, run their sports. I don't know how that would work. Uh, that would also have an effect on our Olympic teams because over seventy something percent of our Olympic athletes come from colleges. And now with female gymnasts being allowed to participate in college athletics, that number is going to be higher. I, the, only, the only sport I can, there's things like biathlon and figure skating and a few other uh, bobsledding and whatnot that will still be funded by the Olympic effort, but who knows, the Olympic effort may have to fund all of their athletes at this point. You have to remember, all these sports survived off of uh, football. Football paid the freight for all your, what some people call Olympic sports, I call non-revenue sports. And um, if you have to make that, sh that shift and use that money to revenue share with the athletes, that money will not be there to fund those other sports. So that, you know, that is something, you know, all of the power five slash soon to be power four will take all the resources to now pay. Some people believe rightfully pay the people who have been making the money. So the other thing, the athletes, they, they want to restructure of how that money is spent out on top of, it not being spent on court costs and attorneys and consultants and other things like that. They also want to bring the coaches' salaries into line. Into line. Yes, they find the coaches' salaries are out of control, and I totally agree, especially for football and basketball. Never meant to make millions of dollars, but those schools, and as you see, Schools have wasted millions of dollars trying to find the perfect coach and paid millions of dollars to have coaches go away. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, almost $75 million to go away and not coach. To me, I always thought that was criminal, especially if you're a state institution. Uh, it's a misuse of funds. I think that should be arrests made or people should lose jobs. Now, it's one thing if you can have a benefactor or a booster write the check to make that happen. But when you have to use university funds to make that happen, I, I, there should be a law against it in every state. And it should be once you hire a coach, they're stuck there for the time. And if things get worse and worse and worse, well, you just made a bad decision.
And then when the contract runs out, then you can let them go. In the meanwhile, you can let the people who hired them go also. Maybe they'll make better decisions and take less chances, something like that. But they want to bring coaches, the athletes wants to bring sal coaches' salaries. Now, some people would argue this is a restrictive trade, but when it falls under, fall under this restructure, it probably won't be a restrictive trade. That num those numbers will come down. Here's a number for you, or a thought for you. Soon, coaches' coaches' salaries for football. This is football only, around the country, will equal the amount of dollars spent on athlete scholarships, all athlete scholarships around the country for every sport. They say this will happen about 2032. So they got to be about 75, 80% on the way of coaches' salaries equaling the amount that schools are paying for all the athlete scholarships. Just out of hand, out of control, in the name of finding the right guy. For then, so you can win games, so you can always be on, t you know, primetime television, so your school is always a getting a free paid commercial to uh, to recruit better and, and bigger and better academic students. And this all comes back to listening to coaches, complaining coaches. Complaining coaches have always been this, the biggest problem because they will tell you they never lost a recruit. They always had the recruit stolen from them by somebody doing something illegal or somebody coming behind and uh, getting the young person to feel is that we can do better for you, this, that, and the other. And when coaches feel they've been wrong, then they run to their athletic director and because they want to protect themselves and they want to tell their athletic director, I've been harmed and this is how I've been harmed. And then the athletic director runs to the president and then the, of the school and the president of the school goes to the board of regents at his school, his or her school, and then they go to NCAA and they try to change rules. It always starts with a coach complaining about some reason why they didn't win a game or they got cheated or they got a recruit stolen from them illegally. It's just listening to, to, to the coaches too much. Well, as I stated earlier, there's two ways. Once this restructure happens, there's going to be two ways out of this. Cut sports or cut back on football spending. Now, which way do you think it's going to happen? You know, you have the schools now with the 14 assistants and the 24 analysts on top of grad assistants and the strength coaches and all these other things. It's just out of control. When I first went to the University of Minnesota in 1980, there was a head coach, eight assistants, and a couple of grad assistants. And that was it. 10, 11 guys to, to run a team. Now you have the assistant 
inside linebacker coach and the outside linebacker coach and the tight end coach and the passing game coordinator and the run game coordinator and the this and the that. And everything's broken down and handed to somebody to scrutinize, come up with a game plan, feed it to the head coach for them to make the game plan for that week. Or you could start watching sports like gymnastics and wrestling and softball and baseball and swimming and track and cross country and on and on and on disappear. And like I stated earlier, fall under the paying to play model that you see at division three where top line college athletes would pay non-football, non-basketball, probably non-hockey, would pay just like a regular student, no scholarship, and then hope that the school would turn around and fund their program. There would be many cutbacks if that happens, but they're going to have to make a choice, one of the two. Cut back on sports or cut back on football spending. There's a lot that's happened since COVID. There's been a lot more parity which is great in my eyes, but they all claim that COVID was going to kill college sports. And the only thing you've seen since COVID happened is the SEC signed a big deal with ESPN. You watched the Big Ten sign big TV deals with Fox, CBS, NBC. So something's got to give, and the athletes are coming to get theirs, as I stated in the beginning, they they want revenue sharing. You'll never get a walkout because, especially football and basketball players, because that's their place to go hone their craft to get to the big money. And that's the, but truthfully, and you see it with pro football, which never goes on strikes and gets treated like crap, they're, um, their uh, protections as a as a union always fall, caves in, signs a new deal, loses tons of money and player you know suspension and finings and whatnot. He's crushed under a salary cap and makes tons and tons of money for its owners. That's Part of the stuff that the athletes definitely will, the college athletes will definitely have to guard against. But again, there's too many of them out there that want to get to the NFL, to the NBA, to the NHL, and they will not withhold their services to make that happen. They just won't. But it's truly the only way you can get this to happen thing that the other thing that might make this happen outside of the school's guilt feeling guilt finally is a court case that is pending house and that's not any house legislation that is uh, somebody's last name house versus the NCAA this will affect uh, possibly 184,000 former and present athletes. And what this case is about is a violation of antitrust 
through the imp in in through their imposition of NIL money, meaning with these new contracts, they should be sharing that money under the guys of uh, name, image, and likeness because it's the players and there's their name, image, and likeness being used in television and radio that they should be getting getting a cut of this money. And if they if they if the NCAA lose, it would be one point four billion dollars in payments to athletes since nineteen I mean not nineteen since two thousand sixteen. And if they lose triple damages, it could be three billion dollars, which would probably put some of the athletic departments out of the sports business. That's a lot of money. They could have been sharing this all along. Going back to when they won their case over the where the schools individually won their case over the NCAA to own their own broadcasting rights. If they would at that point started paying athletes, all of this craziness you see now probably would have never happened. We probably wouldn't have had the massive realignment, the teeth mashing over NIL, the transport portaling, and all these other things that you see that are going on today. If the athletes win the House case versus the, the NCAA, this will affect in proportionately male versus female, meaning that 96% of the males will get the money. Men's basketball, men's football, some hockey in some places, and then 4% women's basketball and maybe volleyball, maybe softball would get their would get a cut. You're looking at over 15 grand per athlete would re No, I'm sorry. You're looking over 15,000 athletes that would receive a share of the billions of dollars since 2016. That's a lot of people, and it's a lot of money. And again, in my thought, beyond sports going, beyond certain sports going away, maybe everything going away at a lot of schools. So that's just something to look at and a breakdown of that 1.3 billion dollars would be 50 million to i mean that breakdown i'm sorry trying to read my chicken scratching here 1.3 billion dollars would go to male athletes and 50 million dollars would go to female athletes female athletes would get to short end of the stick on this but you got to look at it football has carried the freight Football is what everybody watches. Uh, some people watch basketball once football season's over with, so that's the next step. Then you have women's basketball. You have a little hockey, and you have a little softball, and you have a little volleyball. Those sports may survive. You notice I didn't say baseball. Baseball is probably one of the sports in danger. So, you know, once you, for male sports, once you get past basketball and hockey everything's up in the air is a question mark ironically enough the nc2a is arguing that 
this would affect Title IX disproportionately. Now, you got to remember, when Title IX was first introduced, the NC2A fought Title IX. Fought Title IX, didn't want it because they knew what it was going to bring as far as dollars that were being taken away from football that would now have to be spent on female athletes. Weird, huh? You come full circle, and the one thing that you were fighting against is now the one thing that you're desperately hanging on to to hope to slow this train down or stop it. I, Either way, I don't think it'll happen. I think Title IX will play a part of it just because it's a federal law. Some believe that because it, it only benefits mainly white females that Title IX does that it may lose, but we'll see. And the reason why I say that is you take away basketball and you take away women's basketball and you take away like women's track and a little bit of volleyball, most of the people who benefit from Title IX are suburban white females whose families could probably afford to pay for them to go to school. So that's going to be a very tenuous argument with the people leading this house case versus the uh, NC2A. This, I just wanted to bring this to people's attention. This is going to be a doozy once it comes down and goes and is heard. It, who knows? It could be this, this football offseason. Could be a couple of years. But this lawsuit has been moved forward and moved forward and moved forward. It's not going anywhere. Just to get your thoughts, hit me back, text me, email me, and we'll see in the future what will happen to college sports. But this is going to be a major, this house versus the NCAA, it's going to be going to be different it's going to be like anything you've seen before going to change college athletics for the future and beyond well i'll be back in a second to dig in the mailbag and then uh, wrap this one up here on the jb's post thanksgiving holiday podcast is that text you're sending so important that you miss your turn is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Going farther with Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant.
And we're back here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast, digging in the mailbag, hearing from my sponsor, Mike Bryant, on the Michigan sign stealing. It was all interesting. Seems like there are a lot of versions out there. And personally, I think think the very nature of signs is to hide them. Yes, you you try to hide them, but it's just gotten so ridiculous now with all the gyrations and people involved and wearing different color sweatshirts and putting up big old placards with a slice of pizza on it or Captain Crunch or whatever you see to fool the other uh, the other team. I, I think I told this, but I'll tell it again. Excuse me if I did. Gopher Baseball teaches their catchers, or in the past used to teach their catchers, how to call a game. And the pitching coach would give signs and signals uh, like he was signing to the pitcher or the catcher. They were all dummy signs. The only He only called two things, and it was a pitch out and, or a pickoff. Everything else was generated by the catcher's knowledge of of the game. He was taught how to call a game, what pitch to think would be best to call in certain situations on certain hitters. They would go through the the lineup and see uh, each batter's strengths and weaknesses. So that's a lost art. Uh, Quarterbacks used to call. The plays during a game, because they were taught the feel, the you know the nuance of the of the game. Now everything is controlled by a coach because they're so fearful that young person making the wrong call and cost them their job, that they control everything: offense, defense, special teams, what pitch to throw, when to throw over, what breakout to run. What defense to set up in bass? It's all done by coaches now. So that's the price we pay. If you're going to do that and have signals, then you probably, the other team probably has them. And it's been found that Ohio State and somebody else tried to help Purdue last year in the Big Ten championship game against Michigan sent over their uh, sheet of Michigan signs. So nobody is uh, guiltless in all this nonsense. It just is what it is. I also have another letter from or email from my old buddy Forrest. We used to play 50 and older baseball together. Hello, JB. I just finished listening to your latest podcast. And at the end, I was shocked and honored to hear that you read the email that I had sent to you the previous podcast. In this episode, I especially appreciated hearing your insights on ladder climbers, ladder climbers, and honor. Keep up the good work, Forrest. Well, Forrest, thanks for listening. Continue to listen, please. You've been you also have passed me on to some other friends of yours. I appreciate that too. Yeah, ladder climbers uh, is another thing that happens in college athletics not only college athletics but other places 
around in other uh, entities around the world and different things, but especially in college athletics, people will use information against you to step over you to get a promotion or do anything. So ladder climbers are some dangerous people. Well, with that, I want to thank you for listening. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Get ready for uh, college football conference championship games and then the announcement of the playoff and then bowl season. And then we get back to the silly season where they all seem to run and try to make things better and only make a fool of themselves. And there's going to be a lot more waste of money of coaches here in the next week or so. Coaches being fired and paid to go away. Millions of dollars being wasted and nobody's held accountable for that. So with that, thank you for listening. Tell a friend. You know, the the usual outlets, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Outcasts. It's a, it's a group, but it's also a platform. And the other places, Google Podcasts that you listen to, I really appreciate it. We've hit over 130 total podcasts, and I'm just hoping that people still continue to do crazy things so I have something to uh, riff about or rant against. And there's an election year coming. I hope I don't have to talk about that stuff, but maybe I, <laughs> maybe I get forced to. With that, thank you. Enjoy the holiday season. And more will be coming here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on. Negro, black, African American, black, black, black. Django. JB. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know. JB. Our great Negro. Sex machine.